Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk about IT industry topics and news that interests us. My name is Julian Day, and I am very tired because I've just had a baby, so please bear with me today. And with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Candola and Will Dalton. How are you guys? I hope you're better than me. <laughs> good, thank you. Hope everybody else as well. Good, thanks. Good, good. Okay, so first things first, the news, as always. So um, we'll start off with me. I, I have not got a news story this week because I'm exhausted. Uh, I've just had a baby. So baby Elijah, newest addition to the DDK family. So all very exciting. When's she starting? Sorry? When's she starting? <laughs> um, <laughs> a prob- well, at least 18 years, I guess, something like that. Of course, when I say she, I should say he, shouldn't I? You should say he because he is a boy. I was one. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I know we're inclusive, but... (laughs) Sorry, it was the name. The name threw me. (laughs) Should have named it Jatinda. You keep trying to sell that angle, but it isn't going to happen. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) I think we should just call him Jatinda anyway. Should we just do that for DDK? The DDK name is Jatinda. JK, yeah. Or maybe something like that anyway. (laughs) But no, Elijah's a boy's name. Come on. But yeah, so uh, all went well. So Emma, who works for the company as well, my wife, she uh, had a plan C-section and it all went okay. Um, so yeah, happy news. Eight pounds, eight. So big boy, big boy. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> but well, C-section out through the sunroof, so not so bad. Yeah, maybe not. But um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's it's good news, but that's that's why if I sound a little bit out of it, well, more so than usual, yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's why I'm sounding it this week. So, on to IT industry news. Will, do you want to go first with your story? Yeah, sure. Although it's something to do with IT industry. But there you go. Oh, sure, cool, cool. <laughs> I've got a couple of articles that I want to talk about, and both from The Economist, vaguely related. First one's about CO2 emissions and the uh, shifting world order. 20th century was all about oil and fueling cars, wars, and the economy. Now, to get man made CO2 down, which is widely believed to contribute to global warming, although there are still a few uh, ske- skeptics out there. Believe it or not. Naming no names. <laughs> so, so, I'm going to. No, I'll wait. We will, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some world leaders with high IQs. Indeed. It, it either requires the economy to halt in its tracks or to be completely rewritten. And a lot of that rewriting is focused on solar and rare, rare earth metals, which have properties useful in electric, electric cars, electric motors, along with other things. China produces more than 70% of solar modules and 60% of rare earth. So you can sort of see the shift in world power opening up before mm. your eyes. The second article, again from The Economist, is around human rights. Torment of the Uyghur, Uyghur people in The Economist this week. I don't know if you've, you've come across this group of people from the northern part of China, Islamic religion, culture around that. China is opening up huge re-education camps for these people to align them to their hand culture and, the, and different religion. That's hundred thousands, if not millions of people. Yeah, you've heard that one, right? Along with China this week, along with Russia, China this week have been elected to the UN Human Rights Council. And they're there to redefine human rights of being about sustenance and development, not about individual dignity and freedom. So two related, if not competing articles there. Wow. Russia and China, double whammy. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, Saudi Arabia, that's the country that ordered and killed their their own citizen who worked for the uh, Washington Post. Jamal Khashog- Khashoggi. Yeah. Yeah. Jamal Khashoggi, um, who dared to criticize them. Uh, so they murdered him. Uh, they, got, they also received a number of votes to join the UN Human Rights Council. 
<laughs> was the number two, and was it Russia and China? <laughs> Russia and China got it. Uh, they they didn't, but still received a number of votes. Uh, what is going on? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? That's crazy. Jatinda, did you want to go ahead with your news story? Well, mine won't live up to you two by the sounds of it, but uh, my news story at the moment is, again, from The Economist this week, and it's to do with General Motors investing in electric trucks. So they're going to build a Hummer that is an electric Hummer. So that interests me because I'm into big beastly cars and getting lots of points on my license. Will it go for about four miles before it runs out? Most likely the first iteration will probably be like that. But um, it's their way of trying to challenge Tesla, really. So they're plowing 20 billion US dollars into this investment for the Hummer truck series. And they want to take on Tesla, really, just to try and get some of that market share. They have been trying to kind of revamp their business and they've they've put a $2.2 billion plan to really surge General Motors back into the top elite group of uh, motor companies. Back into? (laughs) I'm not sure it was ever in there, was it? (laughs) And Tesla have got their own Cybertruck. So they're, they're thinking some kind of futuristic vehicle using their typical style and stuff like that. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how they revamp the Hummer to take on the the Cybertruck uh, and what it looks like. It'll be 2023 by the time any, either of them are ready by the looks of it. Presumably it'll be the first time that the Hummer will be accurately named because you'll be able to hear the hum of the sheer <laughs> amount of electricity from like two counties away <laughs> to make something like that move. It'll have an entire power station in the boot. Excuse me. Have you got one on order then, JK? I'm hoping to, yeah. With the spinning rims and everything, yeah? They're quite big for the British roads. That's the only thing. It's going to take up like the whole they of the drive. They take up more than the lane, don't they? You're not going to yeah. get one down a country lane in like Jigwell or something, are you? It's just not going yeah, to happen. True. But yeah, well, I suppose you can just run the entire county over. So, Well, you don't bother with the roads, do you? You just got to go <laughs> straight line across the fields. There you go. There's my house straight ahead. I'm aiming for it. <laughs> yeah where we're going we don't need roads but not because we can fly just because we can crush anything in our way yeah awesome it's interesting how they're finally managing to make it work for these much heavier vehicles though isn't it because it's always been the, the calculus of you'd need so many big heavy batteries that you can't possibly mm. do like a, an electric lorry so it just shows how much the technology is starting to progress now because nowadays that equation's flipping around i suppose so you can generate enough power without the batteries being heavier than the truck itself or whatever. So we shall move on to our topic for the week, uh, which is a continuation of our series on ethics. So this week we've, sorry, last week, excuse me, we talked about the general state of ethics in the IT industry and working in the IT industry. But this week, it's going to take us through ethical trading and retail and our consumption of technology and the ethical implications of tech that we buy. Jatinda, do you want to take us through it? Cool. Yeah, so... I guess this is becoming more and more important as we start to realize and become more conscious of the impact of how we live on the environment and the globe. I guess it's been on the radar, let's say, globally because of COVID and how people have started to change their patterns of how they behave and what they consume and all that kind of stuff. And obviously nature is starting to behave differently as a consequence as there's less people out and less factories polluting the environment as well, less cars out on the road. So it's something that I guess is quite prevalent at the moment, but it's something that is quite important anyway. So regardless of the current climate, it's something that we as a company feel is important to us in terms of ethics is is quite key in terms of how we want to behave as an organization and one of our values as well. 
So I guess what we want to do in today's session is just talk through ethical trading and how to be aware of it. So what are the different criteria or different things to think about when deciding to buy something or engaging with an organization or a business? I guess we start with the ethical footprint. The ethical footprint covers a number of different criteria, one of which is around being conscious of where you're buying your goods from. So when it comes to something like food, buying them local or buying them from a seasonal perspective as well. So if they're fruits and veg, that is one way to lighten the load in terms of the impact of the environment. Know where your food comes from. So how has it been manufactured and the impact of manufacturing on the environment as well, because that's one of the larger polluters. In I think the statistics are around about 32% of impact on carbon emissions come from manufacturing facilities across the world. Uh, not necessarily all food, but it's a big proportion. Knowing where your goods come from as well. So making sure that you're conscious in terms of the companies that you engage with and that you're trying to avoid companies that exploit workers and hire child laborers and trying to pick options that are carbon neutral and making yourself a better citizen by trying to be eco-friendly when traveling. And we talked about electric vehicles earlier, but again, there's a downside to that because it's difficult to get rid of and destroy uh, lithium batteries. And then making some energy saving changes in your own lifestyle. So uh, around the house, water saving components for your showers and bath and also bulbs. Managing your investments as well. So if you invest into the stock market or into pension funds, you can now get options for sustainability and corporate responsibility type of funds as well. And they have scores against each company in terms of their carbon emission per million dollars or something like that. And supporting the right causes. So there's companies that are charities that evidence their ethical choices in how they invest their money. So making sure that you're picking the right ones that are making conscious decisions and then also influencing your community. So being a good citizen generally in terms of sharing food with people rather than wasting it and being more aware and trying to be a champion for these kind of things. So those are the things, I guess, from as a normal average retail and trading perspective that each person will be considering. I guess there's a number of different factors when it comes to ethical trading. There's the ecological footprint, the carbon footprint, and then also conscious consumption. In terms of interacting with a consumer environment, the ecological footprint tells us about the quantity of nature it takes to support people, society or economy. It tracks it through an accounting system. They call it the ecological accounting system, where they measure sustainability of how many Earths it would take if we were to live like each country. So no prizes for guessing that USA is top of that consumption barometer. USA. USA. <laughs> <laughs> Where it shows that they will consume five times the, what nature produces of the whole earth, whereas the globe... Per person, is that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no <it's, laughs> I believe the unit is a Trump. <laughs> per, per American Trump. Yeah. It's whole country. But the, the 2014 figure... You could call that out. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> It's going to affect my next visa attempt to, uh, to get into America. There goes America as a market. Oh, dear. Um, what, while, I've interrupted your flow for, <laughs> while I've interrupted your flow for a second, Jacinda, one question I just wanted to ask, I guess, to both of you really is, there's a lot of overlap with ecological stuff here, right? So is it the case that whatever you do in terms of your consumption, if it's 
environmentally friendly, it's always ethical. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, so it isn't. So it won't always be ethical if it's environmentally friendly. Yeah. That's a good question, I guess. I think that might touch on with something that I think we'll talk about in the next series, uh, next episode in the series where how to be behave yeah, ethically and what yeah, you can. Yeah. But that's a very good question. I just think it's an interesting question to throw out there, really, because as you say, it will probably mostly come up in the final episode of the series. But I was just running it through my head and thinking all the things that you'd said, yeah, it broadly aligns to being ethical to kind of look after the planet and everything. But I'm sure there are examples of where it isn't ethical. I've got an example. You could could wipe out humankind. That'd be pretty good for the planet. (laughs) But it's not very ethical. Less good yeah. for our business, to be honest. <laughs> and, um, and it's not good for us either. We wouldn't make a lot of money. Sometimes there's these scorecards that companies try to work into their business model just to, to look and appear mm-hmm. as if they're good citizens. Well, that's it, isn't it? So you, you reel off a few of these things and then all of a sudden you're ethical. But are you really? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But anyway, sorry. Although at least you're thinking about it, I suppose. I mean, you're investing a, a tiny, even if it's a tiny bit of thought because you're... Hmm. You're, you're showing a scorecard, at least you're thinking about it. So that, yeah. that's still good in my book. I guess, yeah, some of the kind of latest ways in which to, to monitor your ethical footprint is via your awareness. So just using the term being more aware of it and trying to be a good citizen rather than being actually mm. very mm. good in terms of um, evidencing how you're ethical. But I don't think anyone's ever going to be, are they? Well, we're getting into that next episode. Let's <laughs> let's. Yeah. Should we talk about next one? Should we talk about next episode today? No, because I cannot. <laughs> I cannot edit that mess back together again. So, sorry, Jatinder, you were going through carbon no footprint and then moral compass before I come onto my case. Ah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, with the ecological footprint, the final point was that the 2014 figure shows that the demands that humanity are putting on the planet are 1.7 times what it actually can renew as an ecosystem. So that's where we're at. Well, that's where we were at six years ago. So it's probably going to be worse. We might have balanced that given the COVID impact. But yeah, that was just a final point. It's an interesting stat, that though, isn't it, actually? And is mm. it which direction is it going? Do we know? Is it? Well, it's got to be worse, surely, because the population's expanding massively. Yeah. Although they said the population's going to reach plateau and max yeah in a, yeah. in not that many years and then start declining which is interesting i always thought there's just been exponential rise of population but that's actually not the case it is going to plateau and fall so it's interesting that one because there was a stat that got thrown out when the uh, avengers movie came out the in which the um Oh my God, my brain is broken this week. Sorry. <laughs> so the Avengers movie. Do you base all your facts off Avengers movies? I do. Yeah. It's pretty much Marvel <laughs> or awesome. I don't believe it. No, but the, so the main Thanos, the main bad guy in Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War, he has this plan to halve the population of the universe in order oh, yeah. to make it sustainable. Right. So he clicks his fingers and spoilers, by the way, for, for Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> Not ethical. Clicks his fingers, not ethical at all. That's why they call him the Mad Titan. And he wipes out half the population of the universe. That would have taken us on Earth back to, I think it was 1974. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the exponential rise of population, is it? So, I mean, obviously his plan makes absolutely no sense at all. But it was just, it blew my mind that within the lifetime of my own parents... The and, and like 10 years before I was born, there were half as many people on the planet. Yeah, of our listeners, anyone thinking of doing that? 
We do not recommend you do that. We don't recommend you genocide half the population of the universe. No, that would be uh, that would be an improper use of power. <laughs> yes. Not ethical. Anyway, sorry, moral <laughs> compass, Jacob. Uh, yeah, so the carbon footprint was the other thing. So that is where we measure greenhouse gas emissions per individual. Moral compass, so that splits up into two areas. So being conscious in terms of your consumption, so being aware of what decisions your retail choices make on the environment and generally health and life, which also includes the effects of media and advertising on consumers. And then secondly, social responsibility. So trying to find a balance between economic growth and the welfare of uh, the environment and society as well. So those are the, the differentiating factors, let's say, in terms of making these decisions and trying to think about how to improve where you are on the radar on these things. But I guess everybody needs to make an effort in, in, in all of these areas to, to at least be aware of it and trying to, to kind of cut out bad practice. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Because when you tell people to do things, it's hard, isn't it? If people sort of, and, and I do this, your, your automatic reaction is, I'm trying my best in the way I can with my life and the resources I have and the money I earn and looking after my family. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying my best, but, but it, it's, it, you, you know, you react against someone actually trying to make you feel bad by saying, well, you should do this and you should do that and you should do this. Sort of react against that. I think that's an important point. Like um, a lot of the, um, the different trade routes to making things ethical, then make the item more perspect- um, expensive as well. Yeah, electric cars. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's another bad thing. Well, a whole load of things. It, yeah. Just growing food in, an, in a way that doesn't damage the environment is, I, mean, I, I suppose, because it's expensive to do it, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the, that's the primary reason why goods have become more damaging is because they've got cheaper or the other way around, goods have got cheaper and therefore become more damaging to the environment. Yeah, so this takes me into a case study that I found, which I think is quite pertinent to this. So I found it in the uh, the thrillingly titled Chemical and Engineering News. Oh, uh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot, Julian. Which sounds like something off the, off the Have I Got News For You guest publication list. It's a, a really interesting article all about lithium battery recycling. You touched on that earlier, JK. It's a huge thing, and it struck me as quite interesting in the context of consuming technology. So we all have many lithium ion batteries all around our person, you know, and our smartphones and whatever else. And uh, they're quite complicated devices in and of their own right, the batteries. And they're made using all sorts of rare earth metals, things like cobalt. Over 50% of the world's production of cobalt, for example, which is used in the little anodes for conducting the electricity, comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is tied to armed conflict, illegal mining, human rights abuses, harmful environmental practices, etc. right? But the thing about batteries is that nobody has found a economically viable way of recycling them because they're very complicated structures. You can't easily break them down. And within a typical lithium-ion battery, you've got all sorts of different stuff. You've got graphite, copper, aluminium, uh, cathode materials like cobalt. You've got separator plastics. You've got uh, a binder which is made of carbon, you've got electrolyte solutions, you know, they're, they're horrible things, basically batteries, they're not easy things. And trying to separate those elements out so that they can be reused is so difficult to do. I mean, they talk about various different methods for doing it, such as throwing it into a 1500 degree furnace and burning off some of the stuff and then melting other stuff down and being able to settle, uh, separate it all out. But the thing is, from an ethical point of view, a lot of technology these days is built with 
obsolescence in mind. So it's built mm. with, sorry, that's my toddler trying to break into my office in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for that one. You're talking about the batteries in his toys. So yeah, he's talking He's talking about Sonic. I have no idea what. Oh no, it was batteries. What were the layers in the batteries again, JK? Can you, can you describe them? <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, do you want to look after him? No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so, so his mum's just grabbed hold of him. Is he listening to our podcast? Since this is why he's getting upset. <laughs> I, I think he's trying to be in it. I think he's, he's probably got some points to make on ethics, which, given that he's two, will be more mature than ours. Do not leave the world fucked up, Daddy. <laughs> I've got to live in it. Yes, something like that. Anyway, my point was that the technology devices that we consume, they have these batteries in them and nobody has found a way of making money from recycling them. It's such an arduous process. It's not that it can't be done. It's that it isn't cost effective to do it. But ethically, there is an argument that there should be the moral imperative there because it's going to screw up the world if we don't recycle all this stuff. But people won't do it, will they? People will. And I include, I don't mean to be condescending because I include myself in that as well. When something is really expensive, you, you want to do the right thing, but you just can't afford it. You, do you know what I mean? Cars and transport along with a whole host of other things that you've got to buy and use. It's all in your monthly mix of stuff that you've got to shut out. If I can get a cheaper car, I'll get the cheaper car. And, that, and that's the problem. I mean, with, with battery technology, it's, it's fairly complex, as, as you've articulated. And therefore, with complexity comes cost. Exactly. Yeah, and comes cost to recycle. But it's an interesting question because particularly with things like, I'm going to go back to our old friends Apple here, but the built-in obsolescence, and it happens with other manufacturers, it's not just Apple who, who do it, but people creating devices which run on batteries or, or don't, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of incredibly ethically murky substances in any tech device these days, any smartphone, any computer component, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to have a battery in it. But they are not inherently easy things to recycle and nobody really has a way of doing it. And it's, it's just an interesting question from an ethical point of view because we all kind of can't live without those devices. We all do need to consume them. But there isn't really an ethical way to do it, really, that I could find anyway because of these issues. But they're not the fault of the individual, those issues. They're the fault of society for not, having, for not placing the moral imperative above the, uh, the dollar, I guess. And here comes the confusion. What's the best thing to do? It's like the recycling of plastic. Have you have you ever tried to put the plastic in the right recycling bin? Looking at the, the you know, there's about six different numbers associated with the different types of plastic. Some can be recycled. Some go in a special bin. Some you have to shred. Some you have to like color blue. I mean, <laughs> I'm joking, but it's really complex and confusing what plastic you can recycle and what, what you can't. And in fact, on some plastic, they still put the recycling symbol on it with a number in. And then when you look up the number, it says this plastic can't be recycled. Hey, you've just put a recycling symbol on the plastic and yet you can't recycle it. Yeah, so it's just, it's so confusing. It's definitely not ethical <laughs> doing stuff like that. That's is it? not ethical. Well, it's legal though. People, and, and everyone does it. Every company gets away with doing things like that. You give the illusion to your customer, this is can be recyclable. When you actually get into the detail, this recycling, you know, this cannot be recycled. I think what they're saying is there is potential for this to be recycled. It's just the technology, we don't have the technologies to do that, which maybe comes back to the battery issue. Indeed, yeah. And I think until there is a way of doing that, 
it's not the fault of the individual. It's a societal kind of problem. It's at the level of governments mm. and, and policymakers to find a solution to things like lithium ion recycling. I'm sure we could talk about it forever, but unfortunately, we're running a little bit short on time. You've got to look after your child as well, Julian. <laughs> well, there's that too, you know. <laughs> uh, I've got two of them now, so the Lord knows I've got my hands full. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the conclusion for me really is that there needs to be more of a more of a focus as a society on making it possible to be ethical, I guess, in these particular areas, in the area of consumption in particular, because none of us have a choice but to consume just in order to be able to be relevant in the modern world. So I guess that's my takeaway. Anything to add, guys? The only thing I was going to say was there are some good sources for information online for anybody that wants to try to understand the ethical footprint a bit better. So um, www.ethicalconsumer.org is a good resource. And also the goodshoppingguide.com as well. They're good resources. We'll put that in Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. And also I'll link out the chemical and engineering news article because although it, uh, it sounds dull, it's actually not. It's quite an interesting read just to really get into the nitty gritty of why these things are so difficult. And obviously they're the kind of people that publication is for the kind of people who may end up saving the world by finding us problem to the a problem to those solutions good god i'm tired we don't we don't get a cut of their subscription costs by the way no no we don't no <laughs> excellent so uh, the next section of the show is the recommendation section jatinda do you want to go first this week my recommendation is food so i went to nando's last week and i had the vegan imitation burger and I have to say, really, really nice. I think that um, obviously the vegan market's quite big at the moment and most retail outlets or restaurants are trying to, to get in on the act. And Nando's obviously that's very famous for its peri-peri chicken. They've now got a peri-peri imitation chicken. So it's made from pea protein and soya and it's quite nice. And they've got nice chicken-like texture for anybody that likes these kind of imitation meats. So yeah, that's mine. Hmm. Excellent. How much? Does it look like it? It's a, uh, it looks like chicken strips, so they cut it up. So it does look like it. It feels like it as well. So it might be a massive scam and that I ate chicken by accident. Is this vegan? Oh yeah, sure, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you say. We're back into ethics again now. (laughs) Uh, I've forgotten how much it is. I think it's a standard price on their regular kind of burgers and pitas and stuff. So yeah. Cool. Very good. Uh, Will, did you want to go next? Okay. Double, I'm going to do a double recommendation today. One's new and one actually is a re-recommendation. So, oh, steady on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've run out of time. New, uh, a new Netflix, American Murder, The Family Next Door. As you can imagine, there are going to be a lot of episodes with a title like American Murder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is this Bash America week? Why, why are we being so mean to America? It's so easy. It's so easy. Just like to point out that we have nothing against America as a country. <laughs> no, no, all their people, but you are quite funny. The show is a documentary about the disappearance of a lady called Shian, Shian Watts. I'm not going to spoil it, uh, but what's interesting is, is how they made it and how tech detailed in sci-fi books and movies is becoming reality in shorter and shorter time frames. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. So I talked about this when I mentioned Ted Chang and Stories of Life and Others, the book, a book of short stories he wrote. And again, from the same book is a story of how a general public starts documenting their life in real time and how they can then, as, as couples, resolve conflicts because you could rewind to the event to show that your partner did say what, what you said they said. Or, or they did leave the keys in the door, etc. 
There's a Black Mirror episode on that, isn't there? It's a really good one. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, a Brief History of You, I think it's called. Uh, and it unearths a whole set of new behaviour traits as a result of this. So, but what's this got to do with the documentary? The documentary takes real-life footage from cameras on policemen and women, cameras in interview rooms, doorbell cameras, security cameras across houses and pubs and bars, Facebook video, FaceTime messaging to literally piece together in real time what happened and the suspects, the characters involved, and ultimately who did it as a documentary. So it's fascinating. I would also recommend this. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's absolutely chilling, but I did think it was good. As Will said, it's it's a really interesting watch because seeing it, as you say, it almost plays out in real time, doesn't it? Not Obviously not actually real time because it was over a few yeah. days, but it's fascinating watching it evolve. How many episodes are there? It's just one. It's just one. Cool. You said you were recommending something else as well, Will. No, that, so the recommendation was the Netflix. The re-recommendation was then the Ted Chang, that Stories of Life and Others. Oh, sorry. Okay. Which is where that short story came from about, about that real-time documentary of, of people's lives. Ah, I see. All right, that makes perfect sense. You see the link. You see the I link. I do. I do now. Yeah, sorry. It's tenuous, but there's a link there. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the fact that that was the second part of the recommendation. Okay, fair enough. So my recommendation is Harley Quinn. So Harley Quinn is not the Margot Robbie film or anything like that. It's an animated DC series, and there have been two seasons of it so far. It was on the DC streaming platform thing that's now gone the way of the dodo. So I think it's moving into onto HBO or somewhere um, I managed to buy the first season in the UK on Amazon, and then I watched the second one on an online provider on a website somewhere. It's an animated series for grown-ups, so it's it's got an 80, a hard R18 rating, so it's very violent, very full of profanity, but it is it is all animated. Harley Quinn, voiced by Kaylee Kalko, I think that's how you say it, from The Big Bang Theory, who does a really good job. And it's, it's just brilliantly written. It's very, very funny in a black humour kind of way. Really, really just excellent vocal performances all around. Really interesting takes on some of these sort of quite traditional DC characters, particularly characters like Superman and Batman and stuff who aren't in it all that much. But when they do pop up, they're quite funny in their own way, but without turning them into complete clowns, if that makes sense. But it also has one of the most real seeming, bizarrely for a superhero show, depictions of, at least as far as I can tell anyway, of an LGBTQ romance as well. So two of the main characters are, are bisexual women who, over the course of two seasons, there's a sort of will they, won't they thing going on. And it's really, really well handled. It's really refreshing to see something like that where it's not really there's no real comment on the fact that it's a gay relationship or anything like that. It's just presented completely straight with this amazing zany comedy show all about the these exaggerated larger than life characters going on all around it. So I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely worth checking out. It's probably it's not as good as maybe Batman the animated series uh, for those of you who like cartoons or maybe Avatar the Last Airbender or anything like that, but it's it's definitely up there. It's probably in my top 5 animated shows that I've ever watched. So yeah, Harley Quinn on the DC streaming service. And I think chaps, that's it. Thank God, so I can go back to bed. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you. Just remains for us to say a big thank you to everybody out there listening. Next episode will also be on FX, where we'll touch on some of the things that we talked about this week. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so. Uh, we are available at ddkpod at ddklimited.com. That's ddkpod at ddklimited.com. You can tweet us at ddklimited and you can get hold of us on LinkedIn at Dalton Day Candola. So thanks very much for keeping me on the straight and narrow, guys. And thanks very much to everyone out there listening. See you next time. See ya. Well done. Well done, mate. Did well. <laughs> thanks.
And that's a wrap. That is a wrap.